You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. friends fans and foes it's time once again for never sleeps networks talking wrestling and i'm your host casey corbin and thank you for joining us today on the podcast but before we get to the podcast you know what you have to do hit us up on all those social media outlets can you do that for us on twitter we are at tnw pod check us out there uh where else are we oh my god on facebook facebook backslash talking wrestling you can find us there. Uh, we are on Spotify, so check us out on Spotify. Give us a five-star rating. We'd appreciate that. As well, while you're on Spotify, go check out me, Casey Corbin, comedian Casey Corbin. Check out Casey Corbin and his four albums. They will make you laugh, and they are free if you are on Spotify. Not only that, there is more. Check us out on iTunes. Yes, we are on iTunes. Rate, review, subscribe. And to give us a favorable review, five-star rating, we appreciate anything you can help do grow the show. Uh, hey, while you're on iTunes or whatever, Apple Music, we're also there. Did you know that? Yeah, we're there. Not only that, we are in so many other places. Oh, my God. Uh, on Instagram, don't go there. My Instagram got hacked. And that means the Talking Wrestling Instagram is also hacked for right now. So until we get those... Uh, comedian Casey Corbin and Talking Wrestling Instagrams back, uh, they are out of play. So just don't go there. Uh, oh, if Talking Wrestling happens to send you a direct message, don't click on any link and don't uh, take a screenshot of anything to show you that you clicked on a link or you will be hacked. All right. I don't like anybody being hacked. Um, I barely even like Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Uh, actually, that's not true. I do like Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Um, yeah. So with that said, uh, unfortunately, Reese Turner is away on assignment. And uh, so you have me. Not for very long. We got a special guest coming in. But uh, you have me for now. So, um, yeah. Let's, uh, well, we first of all, there won't be a show next week. You're like, how can, how can we not have a show next week before uh, WrestleMania? Simply because I will be in Dallas at WrestleMania. So the show that I am working on after WrestleMania hopefully will be better than the lead-in show. But technically, this is the lead-in show. Um, I want to talk about the matches. So on night one, we have Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, I think Bianca Belair is going to win the title that night. I think she's going to go over. I'm very excited for this. is going to be a good match. That's a good match to if that's the starter of WrestleMania. I'm happy with that as a starter. Uh, Ray Mysterio versus and Dominic Mysterio. The Mysterios. The Mysterios. They're going up against the Miz and Logan Paul. Uh, Logan Paul uh, is a boxer or a UFC fighter. He's some sort of uh, media guy uh, on the social media and. Uh, and this is a gimmick match because uh, this is the first outsider that they're bringing in. Not outsider. We're not talking Scott Hall and, and Kevin Nash. We're talking Logan Paul. Uh, he's the first um, mainstream celebrity, if you could call him that. 
to wrestle with The Miz and to go up against Rey Mysterio and Dominic uh, Mysterio as well. Um, could be a good match. I don't know. We'll see. Will Logan Paul knock somebody out? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Drew McIntyre versus Happy Corbin with Madcap Moss. I'm going to tell you the only happy, if he's happy Corbin still, and I am at my first WrestleMania, I am even happier Corbin. All right? I'm just letting you know that. There's no way. I'm, I'm sure he's happy he's in WrestleMania, but he's been in WrestleMania before. I've never, ever been to a WrestleMania. This is my first WrestleMania. I cannot wait to cross the border at the airport or to go through customs and they'll be like, purpose for coming to America. And I'll be like, whoa, whoa, WrestleMania. It's going to be stupendous. You know? And they'll be like, uh, okay, just go ahead. I'm like, thank you. My mom is so proud. So, you know, that would be something. And uh, that could happen. Uh, the Usos versus Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs. Um, as much as I like Rick Boogs or Bogues or Rick Boogs or Bogues, I love Shinsuke. And I do like the commercials these guys are doing. And I do like the idea that these guys hang out and surf and camp. Uh, just watching Shinsuke in North America just interests me. And like, I'm fascinated. Like, I could probably watch him go surfing all day and uh, camp all night and roast marshmallows, you know. I just love, I could watch Shinsuke Matt and Nakamura do anything. Uh, Rick Boogs, uh, you would think we'd be best friends considering the music I listen to, but uh, I just don't think Shinsuke and Rick Boogs are going to get the job done against the Usos because uh, the Usos will play a prominent night in night two, uh, acknowledging their head of the table. Uh, Edge versus AJ Styles. Uh, this is going to be a fucking great match. And, uh, I like that, um, you know, I just saw AJ Styles on Raw against Seth Rollins, and that was a great match. I can't wait to see Edge versus AJ Styles. It's going to be a, uh, probably, I would say on this show, it could be the match of the night. But the match that I'm looking forward to, the main event, and I love that this is just a mere six match card card subject to change yeah maybe they'll have 30 more matches but um i just love that there it's 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 that's it six matches that's it and the main event is charlotte flair versus ronda rousey now we've seen this match before we've seen it at survivor series a few years ago we've seen it uh it's two-thirds of the main event from wrestlemania from a few years ago and uh it's the greatest um, probably the greatest female wrestler of all time in Charlotte Rousey and Charlotte Flair, and uh, the greatest, the the biggest um, professional f woman's professional fighting draw of all time, whether it be WWE or UFC or boxing. Ronda Rousey is definitely the highest grossing um, MMA star of all time. As far as women go, she's also a fantastic wrestler and she never lost in WrestleMania. Although she did lose the belt to Becky, uh, her shoulder wasn't down. Everybody knows that. And, uh, here we are, uh, 
WrestleMania, Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair. This is really, hopefully, I want Ronda to win that title back because she should never have lost it in the first place. And Charlotte Flair is already like a nine-time champion. She's a true flair. She's going to be like her dad. By the time she retires, she'll have 18 championships in the... And, uh, you know, she'll have 18 championships. I don't know. I was going to say, what, a gold chain? I don't know. Um, so that's the first card, and I think it's pretty good. It's just a nice, simple card, and I like it. And it's got a little bit, it got, it's got the Ronda Rousey star power behind it, the uh, Logan Pauls there. All right, that's good. So, night two, April 3rd, let's check this one out. We got the first match is uh, four-way fatal tag team championship for uh, fatal four-way so i guess it's an elimination is that what a fatal four-way is uh you're, you're you lose you're out so um queen with queen zelina and carmella um they're oh wow those they're the champs all right they're gonna go up against sasha banks and naomi uh rhea ripley and Liv morgan and italia and Shayna brazler uh baszler i'm gonna tell you right now the best tag team out of these uh, Sasha Banks and Naomi, I've seen them work together. They're, actually, they're all very good together. Um, I think Natalia and Shayna have the best chance of winning, but I think Ripley and Morgan are going to go over. Nah, just, just me saying. Ripley and Morgan, I'll take them. Uh, Johnny Knoxville, they, they, here we go. Another, another gimmick match, Johnny Knoxville from Jackass fame. Uh, going up against Sami Zayn and uh, in an anything goes match, so expect bowling balls to the balls. Expect uh, maybe some of the jackass characters to come down and get to get involved. Maybe Sami Zayn gets shot with uh, paintball guns from all sorts of directions because the jackass crew is big. Um, who knows? Maybe Steve O takes out the ref. I don't know, but I'm expecting a lot of hijinks in this match. Then we got Pat McAfee versus Austin Theory. I think this is going to be a decent match. We've seen Pat McAfee wrestle Adam Cole, baby, and it, it, that was a good match. Pat McAfee is, is, is a pretty talented athlete despite being a punter. Um, I like the build-up to this match, and I think this match is going to be good. So, obviously, I'm taking Pat McAfee going over Austin Theory in this because the the the, the celebrity should win but in this case I'm going to say oh in the last case did I say Johnny Knoxville is going to win he's not going to win Sami Zayn will somehow win that match Pat McAfee will win this match cuz those are the two gimmick matches then we got RK Bro versus the Street Profits versus Alpha Academy and I'm going to say I like all these tag teams like, I really do. Street Profits are fantastic. Alpha Academy, I didn't think I'd like it, but I do like them better than Heavy uh, Machinery. But RK Bro is definitely my favorite tag team in the WWE right now, so I'm going to go with RK Bro getting the win. And, yes. and finally, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. Winner takes all to unify the WWE Championship and the Universal Championship. Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar with Paul Heyman. 
I'm going with Brock Lesnar because that's who I'm cheering for. And uh, that's it. That's, uh, I think, Brock's going to win. Just like that. You know, the good thing is, is each match sort of has stipulations, like the triple threat tag team match and the winner take all. Well, every match is winner take all. And then goes, every match has some sort of stipulation. The only match that doesn't have a stipulation is uh, Drew McIntyre versus Happy Corbin. Uh, a tag team match. Oh, well, actually, there are a lot of matches. The, the first night is hardly any stipulations. More stipulations on the second night. Um, oh, and of course, we don't even know uh, what night um, Kevin Owens is going to be doing his interview. And uh, where Stone Cold Steve Austin is his guest on the KO show. And uh, we don't know if that's going to be day one or day two. So, uh, or at least I don't know if it's going to be day one or day two. But I can tell you right now, the sound of a glass breaking and uh, and Stone Cold just hitting the ring is going to be... The biggest pop I've ever seen in my life at a wrestling show. There's going to be over 80,000 people there. And when the glass breaks, one more can of whoop-ass is going to be served. And unfortunately, it's going to be served to a great Canadian wrestler by the name of Kevin Owens. And uh, I cannot wait to see that moment. And they're doing the build-up so well. Kevin Owens is so fucking entertaining. Stone Cold is so entertaining. And then who knows what surprises we're going to see uh, there. Is Cody Rhodes going to show up? I don't know. Who knows? Is Braun Strowman coming back? I don't know. Who knows? Bray Wyatt? I don't know. Very excited. Very excited for WrestleMania. Not doing the Raw the night after. I'm saying that right now. Uh, I'll be in the air coming back. Probably when the Raw is airing. And, uh, yeah. But um, hopefully I get to meet a lot of cool wrestlers at the WrestleCon. Uh, I will be with the We Watch Wrestling crew. Um, it's an exciting week. Uh, at the WrestleCon, our table is beside Francine, the Queen of Extreme, and Sunny. You know you want me. Um, very excited. Maybe we'll become best friends. Who knows? Who knows? People I try to, I'm going to try to get pictures with or cards autographed from. The Killer Bees. Arn Anderson. Um, maybe Brutus Beefcake. Maybe uh, The Godfather. Uh, Deborah McMichael. Now, I have an old Deborah McMichael Raw magazine where she's got two puppies covering up her puppies. Is that inappropriate to ask her to sign that? I don't know. Maybe. But I want to get it signed. It's the only Deborah Frankel's Raw cover that I have. Uh, I want to get a Bret Hart autograph, although I have so many of them so far. Uh, I want to get the 1997 Raw cover where he's in the wheelchair and the whole Hart Foundation's around him. I want to get that signed. So many things I want to get signed from so many wrestlers. Kevin Nash, I want to get a card signed by him and get a picture with him. 
So it's very exciting. And um, I still don't know what kind of question I want to ask wrestlers, but uh, I will try to um, maybe ask them a few questions. Maybe we'll meet up with some wrestlers that have been on the show before. Ted DiBiase will be there. I would love to drop by Ted and say, give him a Cherry Coke Zero. Ask how he's doing. Uh, if Ricky the Dragon Steamboat's there, I'd love to see Ricky the Butterfly Steamboat. And I'm sure he'd love to see the Hobo. That's me. Um, yeah, so WrestleMania is coming. And folks, uh, don't you dare miss it. But right now, uh, we have a show coming in Toronto very soon. I believe it is on May 7th. And uh, it's called OTT Wrestling. And it's in the church that Greektown used to run out on the Danforth in Toronto. Uh, OTT Wrestling stands for Only the Toughest. And they got a great roster of uh, great wrestlers. And it's here to talk about uh, OTT Wrestling. From the Godfathers of Podcasting podcast, uh, it's he's one of the owners and one of the bookers of OTT Wrestling, and uh, he's one of the originals. Oh, geez. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show uh, from the Godfathers of Podcasting and from OTT Wrestling, please welcome uh, Godfather Donnie De Silva. Donnie, how are you? Where are you? Well, hold on. I don't even say that. I'm just throwing to the interview. Casey, if you're with Donnie right now, take it away. All right, folks, with me at this time, I've got from the godfathers of podcasting, the original OG, Donnie De Silva is here. Donnie, how are you doing, bud? Doing well, Casey. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's a, I'm glad you're here. Um, this has been uh, a while in... in, in in like the wheels in motion, because uh, we have a very good friend in common in Michelle Shaughnessy, and yeah. her and Stefan have said nothing but great things about you. So it was only a matter of time before we met, uh, whether it be on online or in person. So it's it's very nice to finally meet you. Absolutely, dude. Happy to do it. Happy to take a few minutes out to chit chat. Um, yeah, and I mean, I know you you primarily talk wrestling around here and. You know, I, I hosted a wrestling show for more than 20 years, so I feel like I'm I'm stepping into familiar ground. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, wrestling is not even my, my number one forte. It's obviously uh, comedy, but comedy. but this is the, right. uh, well, this is the hybrid of the two. Um, so, so, yeah, so let's get at it. Uh, how, like, okay, 20 years, like, how long, like, how did you get into wrestling? Like, what is your, if you're a Marvel superhero, what's your origin story? uh it's it's a weird one dude i grew up a wrestling fan like most kids um you know i mean i'm dating myself here but in the in the 80s i was a huge wrestling fan as a kid um and by the time i got to high school i had this idea that i wanted to somehow be involved in the wrestling business but i didn't know how so um I started doing this thing, basically like this really super tiny miniature version of the Wrestling Observer newsletter. Cool. I started just making up uh, uh, a newsletter, a couple pages long, sending it out a couple times a month, 
had a, you know, maybe a hundred or 200 subscribers and 99% of what I posted was either stolen from the talking yellow pages or I made it up. That's and, insane. Yeah. And, but everything I made up was completely plausible. Right? <laughs> so, so people <laughs> ate it up and then that sort of got that bug going for me shortly thereafter. Um, and the other thing I knew I always wanted to do was be involved in broadcasting in some way, shape, or form. So shortly thereafter, um, I discovered the coolest AM radio show that has ever existed in Canada. It was called Game, and it was hosted on the Fan 590 by George Strombolopoulos, Bob Makowitz Jr., and Jeff Merrick. And this show went from like 1 a.m. to 4 a.m., when nobody was listening but drunks and cab drivers, right? <laughs> so, and and the concept of the show was, you know, it's the anti-sports show on an all-sports radio station. Great. So, they, yeah, it was amazing. Like, they were doing Simpsons trivia, and they were talking about ways to make baseball cooler, like have every third pitch be a bomb, you know, whatever. So, <laughs> it, was, it was such an irreverent, fun show, and... One time they started talking about wrestling and I'm listening to the show, driving home from my job at the nightclub. And I'm thinking to myself, these guys don't know what the hell they're talking about. So I call in, I'm a caller and I start smartening them up to stuff. And eventually they're like, Hey, stay on the line. We want to talk to you. One thing leads to another. They give me my own segment on the show. I'm still the guy that's making up 99% of my shit. Fantastic. But I'm, I'm smart enough to, put two and two together, right? To see trends and the way, like, especially back then, WWF psychology worked. I was able to piece it together and go, oh, I see where this story's going. I, I get what they're doing. So that's what happened. And then that um, little segment spawned off into my own show because what happened was those three guys had an opportunity partnering with Molson Canadian, and they founded what became the very first online radio station in Canada. And I think maybe the second in the world. And this was way back in 1996 yeah. when very few people were listening or, or, or doing anything online other than maybe an email and, you know, taking 75 minutes to download a picture of a boob. So, we said, let's, let's do it. Let's, you know, they, they said, look, you can host your own wrestling show. Could you do a half? I'm like in my sleep. Could you do an hour? Yeah. And, um, they said, okay, do you think you need a co-host? I'm like, I would love to get a co-host. Okay. We'll find someone. So I found this guy, Chris Tidwell, who I was working with at the time. He was like the neighborhood tough guy. Um, and, and maybe the sharpest wit I've ever come across. Just one of the funniest people, deadpan expression, and at the same time, completely terrifying. Hmm. So I said, this is my co-host. And they were a little scared to say no, so they went along with it. And we were really fortunate because we became two of the very first people ever to broadcast live on the internet. Way back May 10th, 1996 was our first show. So that's that's kind of the origin story, man. And and we were doing that for a long time. And then in addition to that wrestling show, we got to work on other shows too, right? All kinds of other genres, mm -hmm. sports, whether it was lifestyle, 
We had a morning magazine show. We got to do a little bit of everything. It was really cool. And then, um, yeah, so we did that for, for a long time. And then that show went on to the Fan 590, and it made the jump from online only to standard AM radio. Mm -hmm. We did that for a while. And then um, I sort of took a break for a chunk of time. Did another podcast with uh, with Ted and, and my buddy Danny O. We did that for seven, ten years. I don't even remember anymore. And when the pandemic first started, March 2020, we had not done a show together for several years. And the three of us were talking. We said, hey, everyone's locked down. No one's got anywhere to go. Everyone and their mom and their dog seems to be doing like a Facebook Live or an Instagram Live. And they all suck. How about the three of us get together again and, and see if it catches any kind of attention? All right, sure. So that was exactly two years ago this week when that happened. And we've been doing it ever since. And it was actually a listener of the very first show that we did because we didn't have a title. We just started broadcasting live. Yeah. And someone said, you guys are the godfathers of podcasting. We're like, oh, I guess we are. <laughs> so we, we just sort of, so whoever that was that sent in that, that message, I don't remember. Thank you. Um, you you're entitled to no money, but uh, thank you. And uh, we, we took that name and ran with it. It's a great name. And it's, you know, and it's hard to dispute. Like the only other person <laughs> that I would think that might be, a godfather or a creator of podcasts, the only person I could think of off the top of my head is Tom Green. Um, but again, from a very similar very similar story with him, but uh, nothing having to do with wrestling, so we won't even talk about it. Uh, although Tom Green is totally yeah. wrestling because everything is misdirection and you don't know what's real and what's not real, which is always great. But um, performance Yes, exactly. And, uh, and, and it's great. So now... Uh, you know, you've had, you've surely had, like have had mingled with wrestlers um, on and off the air on your show, as well yeah. as now you're involved in, in, in booking, like you're involved in a wrestling, you have a wrestling company or you were involved in a new wrestling company uh, yeah, with, so with, with a lot got, of familiar wrestlers. So, yeah, I got involved in booking as, as far back as 1997, believe it or not. Great. Because when we when we started doing that old wrestling show, Tid and I, um, I actually had an opportunity way back then. I think it was 1997. I was on an old TV show on TSN called Off the Record, hosted by Michael Landsberg. I got bumped from it three times. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't get bumped. I was on a panel with uh, the late Waldo Von Erich and Brett the Hitman Hart. Fantastic. And... Uh, the producer was Bob Mackwitz Jr. And he says, look, you're not here to be a fanboy. You needle Bret Hart and you give it to him and you ask him the tough questions that fans want to ask because this was shortly after he had left WWF. Okay. Sure, no problem. Well, Bret was pissed. And then at the end of the interview, he's like, no more wrestling internet guys. I don't want to talk to them anymore. You want me on the show? It's one-on-one -on -one and that's it. It's like, okay, sure, Crazy. no problem. But what happened as a result was I got to know Waldo Von Erich. And Waldo Von Erich was running out in Cambridge, the Hart Brothers School of Wrestling. And so he's like, why don't you come visit us? And next thing you know, I'm helping out there. And my buddy Tid is like there learning to be a wrestler. 
I thought about that for a hot minute and said, this shit hurts. Let me just learn some other part of business. And um, yeah, they taught me everything, dude, from announcing, play-by-play, like things I thought I already understood as a fan, yeah. but the real inner workings, everything from timekeeping to writing, sequencing of a match, psychology, absolutely everything end-to-end. And they had me doing stuff. And from, I remember like one of my very first shows, 1997, the late Smith Hart was there producing backstage interviews. And he's like, Donnie, you're going to produce these next few interviews. I'm like, what do you want me to do? So he would tell me what to do, how to get it out of guys. And and so like, I was literally learning from these 30, 40, 50 year vets of the business. My first time doing play-by-play, my my color commentator was Billy Red Lions. Amazing. Amazing. I was I was tripping it, right? Dude. So and I'm like a twenty yeah. one year old kid that doesn't know anything. I, I got Billy Red Lions next to me. I use don't you dare miss it as a catchphrase all the time to promote my shows. Don't you dare miss it. You know And if it's not if it's not that, it's something by Ed Whalen, right? It's In gonna be a ring a ding dong dandy. You know, exactly. We're going to have a function. At the, we're going to have a malfunction at the junction. You know, like all of those, you That'd know. Right. And another one I like is uh, um, um, Joe Tilly, who's not really wrestling related, but a legendary sportscaster in the GTA. I just like oh. coming up. That is fucking great. Like, that's just, I didn't know his daughter. And when I found out, uh, I met it, when I found out I worked with his daughter at a restaurant, I was like, your dad is Joe Tilly? Coming up, she's like, "Oh my god!" I'm like, "I'm such a big nerd." I, I, I'm like, "I love your dad," you know. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. So it's yeah, a, that's it's, really cool. It's really cool. This, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so, like that part of the business, like the booking side and running of shows, that's something that got ingrained in me at a very, very young age, and something I've always had a passion for. And I've been fortunate to do that part of the business with several companies over the last two decades. Um, probably the biggest, not probably, definitely the biggest of which up till now was um, when I was booking for a company called CWI about 10 years ago. And we were the first independent promotion ever to have Hulk Hogan on the shows. Was so, this out in uh, Brantford? Or? So we were, Brantford was the first time that we brought Hogan in. Yeah. And then we did a tour of the Maritimes. Okay. We went out and did a summer tour of the Maritimes, which was just such a fun loop. It was such a great time. And and when I think back at it, like Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, Scott Steiner, the New Age Outlaws, X-Pac, Tatanka, Bushwhacker Luke, Steve Carino, the Nasty Boys. I mean, Ted DiBiase, Aunt Virgil, like on and on and on and on with the names that were on the show. And then we had amazing independent talent to sort of like fill in the gaps. Fill in. And it was just so much fun. Um, and I really, really loved it. And it was surreal getting to hang out with like my childhood hero, Hulk Hogan, and yeah. sitting in a hotel room with him and talking about life, you know? And Exactly. And, uh, oh, yeah. Like I, the, the moment he turned, I have a photo from that Brantford show and we're standing backstage and he looks at me and goes, all right, boss, what do you want me to do tonight? And, and I, I had an out-of-body experience. I'm like, Hulk Hogan is asking me what I would like him to do on a wrestling show. Like, I had a real out-of-body experience. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it's just surreal. So anyway, I haven't done any of that kind of stuff for a few years. And I thought I was honestly done with that. Like I thought that part of my life chapter closed on to the next thing. But uh, a few months ago, myself and, and a couple of others started talking and we said, man, there is a need for some different, a different presentation on, on the independent circuit, you know, um, because we felt like a lot of what's out there is very similar, right? There's yeah. definitely like this emphasis towards um, the athletic spotty style of wrestling that maybe is a little bit lower on the storytelling psychology side and isn't always the most easy for fans to suspend disbelief and sink into. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and ultimately we look at it like I'm a big dude, you're a big dude, right? And the, the worst thing you can do is go to a wrestling show and see two guys fighting and you go, these guys are both half my size. I could kick both their asses. Yeah. Because they're the stars. You should always look at them the way I looked at Hulk Hogan. You should always look at them the way I looked at, you know, whoever, even Ric Flair. Like, the first time I ever met Ric Flair, I was a a teenager, and I thought, holy shit, he's so much bigger than I thought. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And it's not just about size, but it's about style, and it's about believability, and it's about everyone knows what wrestling is. You know, we all know but we don't need to keep reminding them that it's not a legitimate contest. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, totally. We want to suspend that disbelief. We want to crank it back a little bit to be a little bit more, I don't want to say old school because people look old fashioned, but it's, it's cranking it back a little bit with the type of storytelling type of psychology. Will there be high flying? Yeah. Will there be, you know, really cool spots. Yeah, but everything has a purpose. Everything's logical. Like you're not going to see a cage match or a ladder match on our first show because there's no story. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, Just, so yeah, it's like, it's a matter of things should make sense. Everything should make sense. If a guy hits you with, with a move that every wrestling fan understands is a finish, yeah. then the match is over. Yes. And if the match isn't over, it's because some extenuating circumstance. Everyone's not Superman that can kick out of 500 moves that in the history of the of the sport have been programmed in our brains as that's the end. Hmm. Yeah. Because that's where people go, what is this? You know? Well, that's what it, it, it really, it waters down the business is when you kick out of a DDT. We've Come on, you're dropping right. your head. You're done. It's right. so, a pile driver. Seriously, like I, I don't. I literally yeah. had I literally had a conversation with a promoter in the U.S. recently, and he and we had the, the conversation was about that exact DDT. And this promoter is also a talent on his own shows, and I watched a video of his because he was talking to me about he'd like to come work at OTT, our new company. Yeah, and I was watching one of his matches that he had had recently. I said, dude, you did like three kickouts on a DDT in that one match. And then you finish the match with a fucking small package. This is not what I consider great psychology. And he goes, oh, the DDT is passe. It's a transition move now. And I said, okay, but I don't accept that. You know what I mean? Like to me, one of the greatest promos of all time, 
and I've taught promo classes to, to young up and coming wrestlers. One of the best promos I've ever seen was a simple one for Maple Leaf Wrestling. Jake the Snake Roberts was challenging King Kong Bundy. And, and Mean Gene Okerlund says, Snake, do you think you can get that DDT on a man as big as King Kong Bundy? He goes, let me explain something to you. When I wrap my arm around that head of his and I drop down in the DDT, it is more dangerous for King Kong Bundy than it is for someone else because that's 450 pounds crashing down on his neck. Yeah. And at that moment, he hooked me. At that moment, I said, whoa. This is, this is like legit. And I know it's not legit, but he made it feel legit. Do you know what I'm saying? And logically, and it makes sense. It makes sense. It makes sense. That's the most like, important thing. Does it matter that the moves will work? No. But does the story of it make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense that a 400-pounder taking a DDT would be more impacted than a 110-pounder. Maybe that's why everyone kicks out because they're all 110 pounds. Yeah, <laughs> you know that, that could be the reason. Yeah. Um, so you know, and I just I think that that's kind of the idea. I heard your podcast that you had last week, and you, you were very kind to mention us. And I think it was you. You were talking to another gentleman. I think it was you that said, you know, this new company OTT. I don't know what it stands for. So our brand is only the toughest. That's the whole concept, right? That's right. You got to be a big tough son of a bitch whether you're a dude whether you're a woman whatever you are um you just got to be tough if if you're somebody that's um gonna say you know like oh i i i'm not interested in doing that you know i need to get my shit in and i need to do you're not the type of guy or girl that we want in this company yeah. pretty pretty straightforward and to the fans they have to believe that what they're seeing are athletes that are legitimately tough SOBs. That's the whole concept. And that's the brand. And, and it, we want the brand to also kind of like blur the line between pro wrestling, which is a work, and a fight, which is a shoot. Yeah. And we want the matches to sort of blur, you know, and, and play in that space. Because the coolest stuff ever in wrestling is when you go, oh, what? Was that? I'm not, I don't know. Yeah, you know, like those are the coolest moments. Exactly, exactly. Where you, where they, where they get you, like, yeah, exactly. Like, what, what? Just seriously, did that just happen? You know, yeah. where they get you to disband your disbelief, and then 100%. boom, you're back to being a fan again. You know, instead of That'd a mark. Right. You know, and and uh, I take I take no shame. Like when when a when an angle is done really well, and they worked me, and they got me, and I'm like. Oh, what what happened there? I take no shame in saying they got me. Yeah, you know, a few, the, like the most intriguing match in the WWE over the last year was when they were programming uh, uh, Becky Lynch and Charlotte. Why? Because everyone's like, oh, they really hate each other. Yeah, they're they're really gonna go. And and so I watched the pay per view specifically for that. And then they had like a very professional match which I wish they would have gotten into it a little bit more just to work me a bit. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But um, yeah, that was the best draw. Cause you're like, Ooh, how, how are they going to work their way out of this one? <laughs> and of course they're both professionals. Of course. And uh, you know, like when you come, when it comes to storytelling, I really, the like 
for the last two years in AEW, we've been watching Britt Baker and uh, Thunder Rosa go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth in this yeah. feud. And then finally, I, when they had the steel cage last week, I said to my roommate, I'm like, this is how you tell a story. I was like, the steel cage is the ending, the accumulation of what they've built up over the last two years while having other opponents in that time as well. But they'd always come back to each other, have a different match, a different match, another match. Thunder Rosa always comes close to winning, but Britt Baker always escapes with it because she's the heel. Then finally in the steel cage, I'm like, technically, if they're going to do it right, this should be the night. And, and, and I wasn't sure if they were going to do it or not because many people dropped the ball, but they did it all. They did it right. And it was like perfect. And, you know, and it was just like, okay, now we can start the second chapter of the story, the chase back, you know? And I'm like, you don't see storytelling like that um, with other wrestling organizations. Cause you know, it's just about, what matters is right now and in the moment, and then we go from there. But, you know, to build a proper story, you know, it's just, it's a lost art. And, uh, you know, and it needs to be brought back. So, especially in the indies. Yeah. That's, I mean, and and on the indies, it's always a tougher thing, right? Because 90% of the indies out there don't have television. Yeah. And then what they do do, and, and yeah, a lot of them broadcast their stuff on, YouTube or whatever else, but like, that's also assuming that your fan is keeping up with your product constantly. Right. And, and one mistake that I think a lot of indie promoters make that I was guilty of too, when I was younger is too many stories. Yeah. Because an independent show should be simple. It should be plug and play. It should be that if this is my first show, I can pick up the backstory really quickly and there shouldn't be a backstory on every single match. Sometimes they're just matches. Yeah. Sometimes they're just matches and you can manufacture a story within the match. Yes. But in order to have backstory, like if you have eight matches on a card, which I think is too many, but if you have eight matches on a card and two of them have a story, that's a lot to tell. Mm -hmm. And that's a three, line that you have to carry for the next three, four, five shows. Yeah. That's a lot, right? You can't get everyone over simultaneously. No. So I think that sometimes um, promoters get excited and they like to fantasy book and they want to come up with a story for everyone. And it's just, it's, it's not realistic. So, um, and it's tough when you don't have TV, right? So you have to, you have to just slim it down. You have to just sort of condense it and make it more digestible. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, I agree with you. I think the Thunder Rosa and and Brit thing was, was really well done. My only bone of contention with AEW, and it's been the same all the time is I feel like a lot of their matches, Mm -hmm. it's like, if you've seen the talent work once, you've seen all of their upcoming matches. You yes. know, like yeah. I, I I struggle to see the difference from one young Bucks match to another. Well that, really they're tr- they're the most guilty of that. But when you watch a you know, 
a, a Kenny Omega Daniel Bryan match or something like that. That's a totally different match in itself. Kenny Omega Daniel Bryan is an interesting one because Daniel Bryan really understands the art of storytelling. Yeah. So when those two worked, Daniel Bryan led the match. Yeah. But a lot of other Kenny Omega matches are very, very, very cookie cutter. They're very cut, cut and paste. They all have 30 false finishes. They all have 20 big spots. And yeah. And like by the end of it, I go, I don't remember anything. <laughs> and and there's no moment to breathe. There's no moment for the audience to process what just happened. Yeah. You know? And it's just like one combo into another combo. And then I flip and I do something else. And then I drop this and then I hit you with that. And then the crowd goes, holy shit. Holy shit. The guys go, yeah, we got him. But you know what? At the end of the night, they don't remember what that sequence of moves was. No. And and it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't leave an emotional impact. And that's the thing that I'm so passionate about when it comes to writing good wrestling, right? Is what's the stuff you remember the most as a fan? It's probably stuff from the 80s and the 90s, like the Attitude Era and before. And that's because... All of the booking, all of the writing was predicated on creating a visceral emotional response. It wasn't about holy shit moments. Yeah. It was about making you cry. It was about making you happy. Like you take any one of those Kenny Omega matches and put it up against the time that Andre ripped the crucifix off Hulk Hogan. And I'll tell you, that Kenny Omega match doesn't stand a chance of no. holding any brain space in the mind of a wrestling fan. Or, or even like, you know, even the Hogan Andre match at Mania, which wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't either his greatest match, but it was the greatest match. Like That's just right. the 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 telling the storytelling to get there, the story, the fact that they kept the feud going for another two years afterwards because it wasn't just a one and done. It's like. You know, it, it was so well done. The WWE used to do really, really great storytelling, and they don't yeah. do that anymore. They need to go back and they need to watch Saturday Night Main Events, which would focus yeah. on two storylines and then just have matches. You know, Match. that and then exactly. sometimes something grows. As sometimes you have a match where Jake the Snake is wrestling Ricky Steamboat, and then boom, a storyline grows out of that because he DDT'd him on the cement, and now they're off to the races. You know, well, Saturday Saturday Night Live took the same psychology as what I suggest for indie wrestling shows. And the reason they did that is because they were broadcasting Saturday Night Live on NBC, which was a much bigger platform than where they did their Saturday morning shows. Yeah. So they looked at it like, okay, we're going to get a big audience late at night on a Saturday on NBC. A big chunk of the audience has never seen our product. So we need storylines that are self-contained easy to explain in like a quick highlight package. And then we need other stuff. That's just fun. Yeah. That formula works. It's worked forever. Yeah. And for some reason, like you watch an AEW pay-per-view and every match is 20 plus minutes. Every match has at least 10 false finishes. And it's just, it's not necessary. Like you don't want every match to feel. Well, you know what? Like false finishes have, have killed uh, a story. Cause look at, okay. Um, I do like, so I like, I, I enjoy watching Young Bucks wrestling every now and again, and, but my roommate hates them. So I like to, pr to play pro versus con and I'll always take the Young Bucks just for the debate. And I yep. always remind him cause he's a church of Cornette guy. So he's very <laughs> corny, corny, corny. 
And I was like, well, you tell Cornette the next time he's complaining about all the two and a half counts in the fucking, in the Young Bucks match, that one of the greatest matches of all time, Ricky Steamboat versus Randy Savage at WrestleMania 3 had fucking 18 two and a half counts in a 17 minute match. So don't fucking tell me that you can't, but it was done the right way because it had never been but done how before. Many of those, how many of those 18 two and a half counts leveraged a believable finisher versus two guys trying to win a contest and taking every open moment to try to win a contest because they had the story leading up. They had the whole thing with Mach fracturing the larynx of Ricky Steamboat. Yeah. They had the whole story with like, this is a blood feud. Ricky had chased the title for a year, much like you talked about the Thunder Rosa thing. They had built it up so well. And for months and months, these guys didn't even touch each other. So the fans were going bananas to finally see the biggest baby face in the company next to Hogan get his shot at, 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 at the, at the evil champion. Yeah. And everything in Ricky Steamboat's psychology was, I hate you, but I'm here to beat you. Yeah. So he goes for every cross body off the ropes. We know that's not a finish, but he's going for it. One, two quick, small package. He's going for it. One, right. two suplex into a, into a cover. One, we know these aren't finishes. But he's trying, and now we're, we're living and dying with it because we're like, God, this guy wants it so bad. And that's where the visceral emotional response comes in. When you see a tombstone, a DDT, a diamond cutter, uh, a top rope Spanish fly, and this is all in the same match, and then someone goes through a table. Like I watched that CM Punk versus uh, Wardlow match. Yeah. And Wardlow hit him with a hundred power bombs, including through a table on the floor, rolls him back in the ring, and then gets small packaged. And I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. No. No, exactly. no, 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 no. That's and I understand in the grand scheme of things, fans have short memories, and Wardlow is over, and no one's talking about it. But it made no sense. And and Wardlow would be that much further ahead if he picked up the win that night. Yeah. And the story would have made more sense. Agreed. You know, the story would have made more sense if he picked up the win that night. Like the, the, the sort of respect that's happening with CM Punk and Wardlow, it would have made more sense. Mm -hmm. They didn't pull the trigger on it. And the guy takes a hundred power bombs. Yeah. And, and, and then wins. <laughs> like it's so bizarre to me. Yeah, it's just uh, you know, it's that's the flaws with today's wrestling. So it's good to get back, and especially do what you guys are and focusing on storytellers. Uh, can we talk a little bit about your roster and who you're bringing in? Because you guys have yeah. sort of like, uh, I don't know, you guys have a, it's like an all star roster from all the different indies here in Toronto. Whether it be whether it be from uh, well Smash that used to I don't know what's going on with Smash. Nobody knows has heard from Smash Wrestling. I know Tyson Kidd doesn't even live in Toronto anymore. He's down in London, but like nobody's heard from anybody from Smash or anything. Uh, but the, the Creek Down is Creek Town is still running their shows. They're at the Ryerson now. You guys are moved into the old Greek Down venue in the basement, right? Now yeah. I don't know if the why Greek Town moved out. Uh, you know, I said, but who knows? But you know, 
you got to do things right, or you got to answer to the higher uh, the, the 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 voice upstairs, and that's probably the priest that runs the church, not necessarily the big guy. But um, right. but we've been making that joke on and on for the last couple of weeks. The guy's like, well, you know, the guy upstairs, uh, God, yeah. no, just the priest. And yeah. uh, but anyways, uh, that is a great venue. Are you guys running in the basement, or are you running in the 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 church upstairs a little bit? Yeah, so the upstairs of that venue, which I know other companies have run in, uh, they've recently done a massive, expensive renovation. There will no longer be any wrestling shows in that space. Good, because it's too so, hot. It's too yeah. hot there. So the it's basement, not ideal. It's in the community it's not center of the basement, anyway. right? Yeah, so we're down in the Perfect. basement space. And also visually, that space fits us really well, right? Lots of exposed brick. Lots of, Fence. you know, lots of fencing and, yeah. and it's a really cool space, right? It's, it's a big space. Um, we feel like we can, we can fill that venue and we can, and, and the thing I love too about that venue is the worst thing from a production standpoint at any independent wrestling show is when you have a backstage area that's like the size of a closet the backstage space there is enormous. Yeah. You know, we, we have space to set up a massage table. We have space to set up a first aid station. We have space to set up for our VIP meet and greets before the show. We have space there for guys to go through their stuff and to warm up properly. We have space there to have catering, which we'll have. We have space there to have like photo shoots backstage. So we get proper promo photos that we own of everybody on the show. Yeah. Um, there's so much space. So to me, that was like, Oh baby, from a production standpoint, this is ideal. And the wrestling part is easy because we know that that works. So yeah, it's going to be great, man. And in terms of our roster, yeah, we've got a, a collection of people from the Southern Ontario area. And we're bringing in mm. some people from outside of Ontario as well, from the U S from the U S um, Super intrigued because I don't think he's ever been up here. Is uh, Beast Man? Okay, uh, he is just uh, a really fascinating athlete. You got to take a look at him. Like he comes out to the ring with this skull. It looks almost like a, the skull of a woolly mammoth or something on his head, and and just covered in pelts. And he's got a big bone in his hand. He's about six foot two and four hundred pounds. And athletic and wow. fast, fast, man. Like this guy can move and he is flat out scary to see in the ring. Like that's what we're talking about when we say only the toughest. You look at that guy, no one's going to step up to him. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, you got to be a tough son of a bitch to get in there with him. Then, you know, we're looking at guys like, um, you know, uh, Karam and Xavier Walker who have made their name down in the Detroit area. Um, both of them heavyweight champions for respective companies down there. Big, jacked up guys. Xavier Walker, six foot six, two hundred and fifty pounds. Wow! And he is just jacked, right? And then you got Karam, who I believe is about six foot one, and he's about two forty, and just shredded. You know, yeah. great, great young talent. Um, you know, there's just there's so many people that are coming in. Sugar Dunkerton's another one coming in from Atlanta. Um, Sugar is so talented. If people up in Toronto haven't seen Sugar, um, he's just so charismatic and so over the top. 
he's the kind of guy, like he once had a match that I saw with Chris Jericho one-on-one and it was one of Jericho's best matches ever. Yeah. You know, like sugar can, can give you any kind of match. Um, and then there's guys that Ontario fans are super familiar with guys like asylum. Yeah. Uh, who for a long time now for the last few years has, has been working under the name stone Rockwell. This is the official return of the asylum persona, mm-hmm. right? Which is different than Stone Rockwell. I think a lot of people <laughs> associate Stone Rockwell more with comedy matches. Yeah. Asylum isn't there to do comedy. He's there to fuck people up. That's great. So, you know, that's going to be part of it. Um, you got guys like John Atlas, who is, again, an Ontario mainstay. And one of the best stories ever, right? A cancer survivor. Yes. Had four lung operations. And and is still uh, going strong, preaching his message. He's the ultimate baby face. This guy beat the shit out of cancer. He truly is. Gonna try to beat him. He's the ultimate baby face, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we got some other guys too on the show that are you know uh, staples around here. John Greed, Rex the Boot Atkins, Johnny DeLuca, who's a young kid that's that's making. It's actually going to be Johnny DeLuca's birthday the night of our show. Cool. Um, so there's lots of cool stuff. And then, like, you know, on top of everything else, we've been saying this because we think it's true and no one's corrected us. In terms of physical size, it's got to be at least two decades, at least two decades since Ontario has had a main event this big. Yeah. When you're looking at six foot five and 250 pounds of Harry the Bulldog Smith's, you know, the, the son of uh, the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, and then Eric Redbeard, formerly known as Eric Rowan from the Wyatt family. He's six foot eight. He just got down to 305. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he walks around at 350. He got down to 305. It looks tremendous. He was just on AEW recently. You put those two big horses against each other. I can't remember the last time we had two gigantic established veterans like that one-on-one in a main event in this province, you know, on an independent show. So I'm super excited about it. I know both competitors are super excited. About I'm that excited match. They about can't, it. They can't wait to get their hands on each other and, and they've never touched each other. So they can't wait to see how this is going to go. Harry, for those that don't realize, um, since leaving the WWE has become a really gifted shoot fighter, you know, super, super talented in a variety of, of mixed martial arts disciplines. Um, And I'm sure that will be on display, you know, and Eric Redbeard is just the ultimate brawler. But again, a big guy with athleticism that a lot of fans have seen because he was pigeonholed into a role. He is athletic. He can do stuff, you know, and, and really fast for a three, 300 pounds, six foot eight man. Mm, yeah. Um, fun to watch, man. And I'm, I'm excited for that match. I'm excited to sit there and watch that match as a fan, yeah. you know, because I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be nasty. I think they're going to throw some potatoes in that ring. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Well, we should wrap yeah. this up. I've held you here for over 40 minutes, which is we've gone over time, but hey, it's been great. And uh, I'm looking forward to the OTT uh, beginning uh, in my favorite venue. I'm like just off Bathurst, so I love it where I can just take one subway 
right pretty much there. McDonald's on the way to the good friggin' thing. Get some nuggets. Go down, stand in line, and then eventually right. get in, do some meet and greets, get your seat down there on the floor, and enjoy a great night of professional wrestling. That's what I'm excited about. It's going to be great. So let me just say, for, for anyone listening, you can go to onlythetoughest.ca. Onlythetoughest.ca. You can buy your tickets there. Um, when you go there, you'll have an option. We have a $35 general admission ticket, $20 for kids, um, kids 12 and under, uh, $35 general admission. And then we have a second option, which is a $75 VIP package. So what that includes is you're going to get an opportunity to meet and greet with the, with the roster, with the talent of, of the show. You're going to get a chance to meet Eric Redbeard, to meet Harry Smith, get an autograph photo, get an autograph, uh, get a, um, you know, get, get a selfie with them, you yeah. know, whatever, sign your merch. If you have extra like Eric Rowan action figures and you want them signed, you can bring those in with you, uh, whatever it is. Um, and then in addition to that, in that $75 package, there's other things you're going to get as well, right? You're going to get like a slight, uh, uh, some concession items. You're going to get like an autographed poster of the event. There's a package of items that you get in that pack in in that in that tier. And we were looking at some some of the big events like WrestleCon, which is coming up soon. Yeah. And it's like if you wanted to go to WrestleCon and get an autograph of Eric Redbeard, that's going to cost you thirty bucks. And then a photo is going to cost you thirty bucks. And that's sixty bucks just for an autograph and a photo with one guy. Yeah. Right. And we're giving you access. And in addition to that, we're giving you a bunch of gifts to say thanks for supporting us. So um, if anyone sees that $75 price point and goes, oh, that's a little stiff, we're really trying to give great value. You know, and in addition to that, you get a ringside seat. Yeah. So everyone else's general admission, VIP gets a ringside seat. And uh, we we put priority on on um, you know on our fans and we want people to see that. That's great. And as someone who is going to WrestleCon and is priced out who I'm going to meet and how I'm going to, and all this stuff, uh, it's, uh, it is crazy and it is pricey. Like I'm passing up like literally Eric Rowan and I'm passing up Rob Van Dam because I know they're going to be in town soon and I can get them cheaper here in town with your product and with Greek town. And, uh, you know, but, um, you know, and I feel a lot safer inviting Rob Van Dam out for a joint in in in, in Toronto than I do in Texas. So you right. know, so uh, you know. With that said, uh, excited for for OTT, and uh, and great to finally meet you. Thanks for coming on the show, and yeah, uh, and you know, best of luck. Uh, well, the show's still a little far away, so. We'll probably even hook back up maybe and talk a little bit more about it closer to the event, if that's all right. Yeah, it's, uh, well, May 7th, uh, 7 p.m. start time. And that's not 7 p.m. indie wrestling time, which is really 7.45. 7 p.m. is 7 p.m. Yes. <laughs> this is and, and when we say 15-minute inter- intermission, it's not 45 minutes. It's no. a 15-minute. Like, we're going to run this shit like a tightly run. Love it. Love it. I love it. Uh, operation. It's like, um, you ever seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? The movie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's my favorite movie. Um, the, yeah. I just love it. The, uh, where he's like, where Brad Pitt's like, all right, 7 a.m. Not 
out the door in the car, out the door in the car. He makes him repeat it. And I, that's like, yeah, we're at 7 p.m. Out the door in the car. We're, that's when we're going. So 7 p.m., the bell is ringing, and we're getting ready for the first match. Exactly. At 7 p.m., oh, we still got to see if some more people are going to take their seats or people are buying a slice of pizza no, and they're, they're getting late. their beer. You know, get your fucking beer, get your seat. 7 p.m., the show is on. Yeah. You'll hear the bell. You'll hustle a little harder to get to your seat. So, you got it. Thank you for coming on, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Donnie De Silva, Godfathers of Podcasting. Check him out. Ott May seventh. Uh, don't you dare miss it. <laughs> Thanks, Casey. Thanks for having us on. Awesome. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com.